Everybody to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by the Silver Screen and Roll Network. Uh, we miss you guys last, but we are back again this week with what should be a pretty fun episode. Um, we have another another game we watched, another game to recap. Um, this one is one I was not remotely familiar with, so I was pretty excited to watch it. But uh, Christian, bud, how you holding up with uh, week four of the quarantine? I don't know. What are weeks even anymore? Does it really matter? <laughs> I've said multiple times at this point, time is just a construct. Like, I don't know. Honestly, I kind of forgot about the podcast last week because I watched all this on some day, this game, and made all these notes. And then I legitimately didn't know what day it was until like Saturday or Sunday when... Uh, I was on the phone and realized, oh, it's supposed to be the weekend right now when <laughs> every day just feels like the weekend currently. So, um, yeah, but we we have a uh, another another recapable game. It's 1987 finals we're going to be doing today. Uh, game six, Lakers Celtics. For those of you that uh, might not have listened, we've done a couple of these now, and kindly the NBA has. Uh, and ESPN have shown, I think, just about every game that we've recapped. So <laughs> to uh, to make it extra nice, but this one uh, was really the the peak of the Lakers Celtics rivalry. Um, so it was a lot of fun. I I hadn't watched full games. Um, I don't know if you had. I'd watched the documentaries that yeah that they had done, but I had never sat down to watch um, a full Lakers Celtics game from the '80s. Yeah, because Jake, Jacob, you're older than me, but not I by am. that much. Yeah, like, I was going to say, not a whole lot. <laughs> I was not alive during this. Neither of us were even, I don't think, ideas at this point. No. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting to see just the style, the matchup between the two teams. Um, and just watching a lot of how these guys played. I mean, we'll get into it here in a bit, but... There, we, there were many takeaways we had from this that uh, maybe aren't thought of as much or, or whatnot, but I tried to provide a little more context. I know these always feel like they go on forever, but I mean, if you're like me, like we've said, I, di- I didn't know a ton about just kind of the season and everything um, that led up to this. I, I had ideas and kind of these flashbulb moments or whatnot, but uh, this was... I mean, this was kind of the the peak of the Showtime Lakers versus probably one of the best. I think the 86 Celtics were the best team. Um, so they're coming off their best season. Um, coming into the season, as I said, the, the Celtics had won the title because the Lakers honestly kind of choked against Houston in the 86 Western Conference Finals. Um, and Boston won the title. That uh, that led into the start of this season. I don't know how much of a betting aficionado you are, but, I mean, this is a team that had prime Magic, prime James Worthy, 
it certainly wasn't prime Kareem, but still a really good Kareem. What do you think the odds coming into the season were for the Lakers to win the title? One on one. <laughs> Plus 400. Oh. They were third best. The Rockets actually had better odds than them. Um, so promptly the Lakers went 65 and 17, the best <laughs> record in the league. Uh, up until I think the 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 one three-peat Lakers team, um, I want to say they went 67 and 15. They this did. was a yeah, this was the best record up until then by a Laker team. Um, and they were just a a machine going through this season. Um, Celtics, meanwhile, went 59 and 23, um, which was still the top seed in the the Eastern Conference. But they took two very different routes to the um, to the finals. The Lakers just rolled everybody, swept Denver in three needed five games to beat the Warriors, and then swept Seattle in four. Uh, regular season and playoff record combined, the Lakers were 76-18 and 18 going into the finals. Um, and they had only lost one playoff game. They were absolutely rolling. Boston, meanwhile, uh, barely even got into the finals multiple times over. Um, they They swept Chicago in round one. Um, but then round two against Milwaukee, they trailed by eight with six minutes left um, in the fourth quarter. They somehow pull out a win. This was a really, really beaten up Celtics team. This is actually a an excerpt just to give you an idea of how beaten up they were after that game from one of the recaps. Um, it says Mikhail's left knee is hyperextended. His right foot is pained by a stress fracture. He played on a broken foot this season. His right ankle is sprained. Bill Walton has a hairline fracture of a bone in his right foot. Robert Parrish missed game six of the Bucks series with a sprained ankle, and Danny Ainge dislocated his index finger and had sprained ligaments in his right knee. Um, it had gotten so bad that they, they interviewed Kevin McHale, and he said he actually had to go to the Boston Bruins like training room because there were so many people in the Celtics room that they didn't have enough room for everybody. Um, and yet they go to play the Pistons in the conference finals and again pull one out in uh, seven games. That one had the iconic bird steal, um, steals the inbounds, gives it to Dennis Johnson for the lay-in to, to steal a game basically. Um, but again, it was a... The Pistons led by five points going into the fourth quarter. Um, Boston pulls it out, and they were actually entering the finals. They had won 84 of their last 86 games in the Boston Gardens, which is a staggering, staggering number. Um, so this set up basically the rubber match. The Boston beat the Lakers in the 84 finals. The Lakers beat them the next year. Um, so this was this was the rubber match. Um, the series itself, the first two games, the Lakers take with relative ease. Um, they were basically just too quick, too fast for Boston, but they head back home. Boston wins game three or head back to Boston. Boston wins game three and game four was another one of those kind of flashbulb moments to, that now has some context. That was magic's baby skyhook, uh, to win the game. 
Um, so that was only the third time they had lost in Boston in the last 87 games um, was Magic Skyhook. Boston rebounds. They win game five at home. Um, but the Lakers head back to, to this game six in L.A., up 3-2, and played a – this was a really interesting game. Um, the game itself starts out, the Lakers come flying out of the gates. Um, they lead 8-2. to two. Boston can't hit a shot. And then Celtics kind of weather the storm and go on a big run themselves. They go on a 15-2 to two run, and they lead after one. Um, second quarter, interestingly, uh, it was a game of attrition because Kareem was really good this game. Um, especially in the first half. And he got all three of the centers the Celtics had on the roster into foul trouble with three fouls. Um, Bill Walton tried to play this game. He was very much a shell of himself, and he could hardly stay on the court. Kevin McHale um, was just being abused by Kareem pretty much the whole game. Um, and But still, the Lakers couldn't really close the gap. Boston leads by five at the break. And interestingly, I mean, Kareem was in foul trouble himself, and he picked up a fourth foul to start the third quarter pretty early on. And they have to go to Michael Thompson, who uh, not just a tremendous broadcaster and Twitter personality, uh, also a tremendous basketball player because they have to go small with him. And it is on from that point on. Um, the Lakers go on an 18-2 run, probably the highlight of the game. Highlight of the series, maybe one of the highlights of the Showtime era, um, is a play where James Worthy tips the ball loose um, and goes diving into the stands to save the ball to Magic, who dunks it home, gives the Lakers their first lead since the first quarter. The forum's going crazy, um, and they did not slow down at all. They led 81-68 after three. They go on another run to open the fourth quarter. It gets to almost a 20-point lead. Uh, they led 89-70. In total, it was a 38-14 to run to start the second half. Um, and the fourth quarter was pretty much just a victory parade. Um, the They show a stat in the fourth quarter. Danny Ainge and Larry Bird are combined 5 of 24 for 12 points, um, which you love to see. They both... <laughs> Uh, did a little bit of uh, scoring in garbage time, so their averages didn't look quite as bad. Bird finished 6 of 16. Ainge was only 1 of 9. Meanwhile, Worthy and Kareem were incredible. They combined to go 23 of 34 for 54 points in this game. Um, this was probably showtime at its peak. Um, this was one of the last great games. Um that we saw from kind of a prime Kareem. And then this was Magic and Worthy, probably just in their athletic primes. And this game was a ton of fun to watch, especially that third quarter. Um, so after all of that, I'll, I'll start off, I'll let you start off. To you, what's the most rewatchable sequence from this game? Oh, that is a good question. Because there are so many rewatchable sequences from this game. Uh, like you, I I had not, outside of the documentaries and the the Magic Johnson mixtapes, seen 
a ton of the Showtime Lakers and with with the names and the Hall of Famers on that roster alone, um, when you when you talk about like the greatest team of all time debates, uh, I think the Showtime Lakers are up there, uh, like just off the town alone. But watching them is a completely different experience. I knew Magic Johnson was good. I knew James Worthy was good, and I knew Kareem was good. But boy, <laughs> there mm-hmm. are some things that that these fellows are doing in this game that I think can translate to any era. Like I know the three point shot means a lot more than a two pointer, but the skill in which these players were making their two pointers, the amount of hook shots that were coming from the mid post uh, was just incredible. And uh, like damn near unguardable. I, we, we talked, I talked about this before we went on air, but James Worthy's shots in the mid post were set up by him getting the ball there palming it and then deciding what he wanted to do with his defender which is just extremely disrespectful uh and just downright outrageous and uh i that that's my quick little takeaway from from just watching the game uh the most rewatchable sequence i think i'd have to give uh to that hustle play mm-hmm. uh, by by worthy I d- obviously I had that down. Um, that was incredible. Um, honestly, I wrote down every Lakers fast break. Like <laughs> this, every time Magic gets the ball um, and just turns up court full speed ahead, like I got excited to see what would happen um, because he could pull a pass out of anywhere. Anybody on the court was in play for a pass. Um and like I said, especially that third quarter, they had all the momentum going. Um, and that was the other thing I wrote down was to was just the third quarter, basically, especially the the first maybe five, six minutes of it, because the Lakers literally just could not be stopped. They went small um, and everybody was just flying up the court together. And it was interesting watching this because. In my head, I always thought that, and maybe this was the case, this was just one game. In my head, I always thought the Celtics just wanted to play really slow and the Lakers wanted to play really fast. But the Celtics like were playing fast this game. Um, and maybe that wore them down and led to that run in the second half. But uh, the Celtics tried to stay, keep up with the, the Lakers and... I don't know that there's a team ever that could keep up with this Lakers offense. Um, but yeah, if I had to pick one thing, I think it's Worthy's diving save um, to Magic. Just the play, the the form's reaction, Magic's reaction, um, considering the, the context of it, the finals against the Boston, like uh, that was just, that's one of the highlights of the entirety of the Showtime era. Um, I have a lot of things down for this next category. What's aged the best from this game? Oh boy. Uh, so the, the one thing I didn't, I, I know Kareem is one of the most prolific shot blockers of all time. Uh, and I think I, I, I thought a lot of that had to do with how long he played and that is true, but by God, was he a magnificent shot blocker mm-hmm. and not just like, at the rim shot blocking there was a possession in the first quarter of this game 
where Larry Bird had the ball on the perimeter. They set a screen for Bird. James Worthy gets swallowed up in that screen. And then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar closes out on Larry Bird at the three-point line successfully, which uh, you talk about a center that could play in today's NBA for all of his, you know, limitations, if you will, uh, compared to the floor spacing centers of, of today uh, with the sky hook and his perimeter defense, even for his age at the time, I would absolutely take Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in today's NBA. This was a 40 year old Kareem playing in this game. That is outrageous. Yeah. He, that was another one of those things, like we said, and like you said, you hear all about how good Kareem was, how the skyhook was unstoppable. Watching him play like this, um, he was unreal. Honestly, I knew he was pretty old in this. I did not for a second watching this think he was 40 years old. Yeah. Like, he was everywhere on the court. Um, he really set the tone early, just... Um, Seemed to be the guy that was like, we're not, we're not gonna lose this game, with this lead. Um, and he kept the team in it, in the first half. He was really good that first half. Um, so absolutely, Kareem. Just watching him, it's unbelievable to think he was not. He wasn't just forty years old. He'd been in the league for uh. 18 seasons at that point had played I was trying to do the math he had played 1300 games not counting the playoffs um actually more than that because he had played so over 1400 games if you count playoffs it's probably 15 1600 games um which really just makes how good he was this game um all the more wild he probably underrated i know a lot of people have kind of made the the argument i and i know he's someone that always is mentioned in the uh argument for best player ever but i kind of think at times he's a little underrated because we always just kind of think at least i do of, of just kind of the sky hook and and him as just a a guy in the post who always went to it he really, at least this game, didn't do it a whole lot and still was just dominant on both ends of the floor. Um, I had down, well, I'll start off at the very beginning, Lawrence Tanter is the PA guy. Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. terrifically. Yeah, aged <laughs> terrifically. Uh, it was one of those things I get. I just hadn't realized how long he had been the, the uh, Lakers PA guy. Um, and to hear him do the introductions at the beginning of the game, uh, he aged great. Um, the Showtime offense was way ahead of its time. And I everybody knew that at the time. Um, but this is an offense that could succeed even in the modern NBA. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of defense turns to offense. And with the, yeah. with the amount of length they had, like Byron Scott was a terrific defender. James Worthy was an absolute menace on the defensive end. And Maddie Johnson's a 6'9 point guard. Like... It, yeah, no wonder they had so many damn fast break points. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Cooper, uh, I think he right. won Defensive Player of the Year one year. Um, he, uh, I was I was pulling it up real quick. Yeah, he was, this season the of the game, he was the Defensive Player of the Year. 
Um, so that was a, it was really just a, a modern team and the way it was built in a lot of ways. Um, I wonder how, sorry, not to cut you off, but no, I how many, how many players have one defensive player of the year as a player off the bench? Cause he only started two games that season. <laughs> That's actually interesting. I didn't think to look that up. It would. Ha- I don't know that it would ever happen again. Herb yeah, that's because even I, I was um I was writing uh something on Kobe the other day, and the fact that he made the All Star game as a sixth man is is crazy to me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was trying to think at the top of my head, especially especially now. I don't think it would ever happen. Um. I mean, really, it'd be hard to have a guy who is defensive player of the year caliber not start. Yeah. Um, I guess Marcus Smart has been in the conversation. Yeah, that's like, Yeah. And that, that's probably kind of a decent comparison as to Eric to Cooper, um, although he was much bigger and probably yeah. much more athletic. But just that kind of impact defensive guy off the bench. But, I mean, that also shows you how deep this Lakers team was because – I mean, it wasn't wild that he didn't start. Um, yeah, definitely not. Magic, Byron, Worthy, AC Green, and Kareem is about as daunting as a uh, starting five um, as there is. So uh, this was a the top seven, I guess, maybe even Kurt Rambis at eight. The top eight guys on this Lakers team were incredible. Um, next thing I had down... Just Bill Walton and Michael Thompson as people aged well from this game. <laughs> like, I absolutely love listening to Bill Walton basically talk on anything, whether it be as a broadcast or an interview or anything. Uh, and Michael Thompson's the best Twitter follow there is. I'm just um, aged, like, physically. Michael Thompson has aged very well. Like, obviously, he doesn't have... Uh, his hair kind of reminded me of... Uh, Carlos Boozer's spray on hair, but real uh, <laughs> looking at it. And, but I mean, otherwise w- without the hair and like the mustache, he looks basically the same. Uh, the only other thing I wrote down was rushing the court after winning the finals. I am very <laughs> much pro rushing the court in college uh, or storming the floor. I know a lot of people always seem to get up in arms whenever that happens. I am very much storm the court whenever you want. Uh, and it was funny to see as the final buzzer goes off um, in this game, the fans storm the floor. Uh, they don't have any kind of ceremony on the court. They do it in the locker room. Um, so the fan or the team all goes into the into the locker room after. And there was a, a brief funny moment. Shout out to AC Green. They they're coming back into the locker room, and. There's some staffer there that's just literally handing each person a bottle of champagne as they come in, and they hand one to AC Green, and he doesn't say anything, just kindly walks past the guy and just sits it down right beside him. <laughs> um, but yes, I am pro storming the court. I think it should. I think every final should end with, or if it's at home at least, with the, the home team storming the court. Bring that back. Jacob, um, it concerns me a little bit that you're pro storming the court because for for our listeners that don't know. How large of a man are you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I will say, uh, I yes, I'm a very large man. I stormed the court one time. It was kind of a half-court storm. Uh, the 
IU Kentucky basketball game that ended on a buzzer beater. I think everybody's probably seen the highlight. I was at that game. Um, it doesn't really matter how big you are, though, I'll say, because there's so many people that storm the court all at once that it's hard not to get just swallowed up by everyone. Um, but if I had to pick one thing that aged best from this game, I would probably just say in general the offense. Um because there was never a dull moment with this Lakers offense, um, really ahead of its time, I think. The what's aged the worst? Uh, you'll notice a common theme on some of these. Danny Ainge, <laughs> Kevin McHale. Do you think at any point Danny Ainge was watching Kareem play and was like, man, if there's ever a player like as dominant of a big man when I become a GM... I am so gonna almost trade for him. Like, as long as I don't have to include somebody like I don't know. Let's just say his name is Marcus Smart or Terry Rozier. Just sounds like good basketball names. Taysom I would have Jadum, to think just hypothetically. <laughs> I I would think long and hard about it, but I just don't know if I could do it. <laughs> um. Yes, I would. I'm I'm just imagining now that every player he's looking at on the court, like. Hmm, I would almost trade for James Worthy. He's really good tonight. Uh, Kevin McHale, it, it was, God, it was awful watching him play this game. He is, he was a, uh, he's a bit of a dirty player, um, to say the least. And he's always, he's the, has all the antics of a, just an annoying guy to play against. And this was, this was a Lakers team that had Kurt Rambis. So yes. for you to watch Kurt Rambis and, uh, and Kevin McHale and for that, for the takeaway to be Kevin McHale's a dirty player. Like, yes. <laughs> well, Danny Ainge had a couple little, uh, not quite cheap shots, but just some kind of after the whistle, just kind of uh, little bumps or swings at people and whatnot. Um, this was not a likable Celtics team. Not that any Celtics team ever is likable. Um, if you have the time, I would highly recommend... I looked this up. I didn't include it because literally the whole article was amazing. After the Boston beat Detroit in Game 7, Detroit and Boston hated each other during this era. And Detroit uh, did not take the loss uh, in style, (laughs) to say the least. And there are some incredible quotes, um, really from both teams, after that game. It's an LA Times article if you can find it the 87 Eastern Conference Finals. Um, It is a tremendous article with some tremendous quotes. Um, Another what's aged the worst, a young Joey Crawford is a referee in this game, Um, which might explain why there were 5 million fouls called. Um, There were a total of 53 fouls called in this game. Pretty much everybody was in foul trouble for uh, the Boston front court. And lastly, uh, Byron Scott, mainly as the NBA head, or as an NBA coach, um, the it's hard for me to look at him during the this game and not think about him benching D'Angelo and Julius and just <laughs> things like that. The things he did as a head coach, um, maybe a little unfair, but. Uh, that's all I kept thinking about. He was a really good player. Um, didn't have the greatest game this night, but 
in general a really good player, but uh, that's still probably just a little too recent um, for me to not think about that every time he got the ball. Is there any of those that stick out as what's age the worst for you? Oh, well, yeah, I think I think it's really hard to like Byron Scott was good. um, But there are two there are two problems with Byron. One, he wasn't good enough to where his stint as a head coach overshadows how good he was. Mm -hmm. And two, even if he was. He just won't go away and stop saying things. <laughs> like every time I start to forgive Byron Scott, he shows up on the jump and and says something crazy, and I'm just like, "Come on, man, just let it breathe for a little bit." Um, the thing that aged the worst to me is the spacing. I don't um, know how many possessions I counted where James Worthy and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar were right next to each other, and I'm talking like one player's distance like body length away from each other that is insane if uh, and and this mind you these were two of the top five three-point shooting teams in the nba at the time oh i have i have multiple stats coming up (laughs) three-point shooting with this team with this game yeah Um, i was i was gonna have you guess um what the what their respective three-point attempts uh, were for the season, but I'm guessing you have it. Yeah, I have it down. You can go ahead and say <laughs> it, though. It's really bad. Um, the half-assed internet research, the only thing I had on here, the Lakers finished 10-0 and at the Forum in the playoffs. Um, they were 9-0 and coming into this game. I mean, I pro- this probably should also be put, should have been down in what's age the best, the Forum. Uh this was the the fans and the forum and um, just everything about the atmosphere of this game was great. Um, I understand why they had to build Staples Center, uh, but the forum was incredible to watch basketball games in. Um, really, the only great uh, greatest what if or sliding doors moment, the only thing I really thought of was what if the Lakers – basically don't explode in the second half and lose this game because then you have a game seven against Boston, which always just has a certain kind of stigma about it. Um, The Lakers only win against Boston in game seven was 2010. So you would have went into this game, not having beat Boston in a game seven. Um, There would have just been a lot of pressure around that game. Well, yeah, if you watch the 30 for 30 documentary, it's pretty it's pretty uh, clear to see why playing any game in Boston at that time would be a little difficult for for an opposing team. And. I mean, it's a team, a Boston team that the Lakers still struggled to beat um, in the finals. They had done it, like I said, in 84, but um I mean, I listened to and read Sabrina's article the other day about the, I think it was a 61-62 team, the the 60s team that um, didn't win a title. And she, she said that Boston had beat the Lakers six times in the finals in that decade. Um, so this you was hate, still... Yeah. You genuinely hate to see it. Yeah, this was still a... I mean, even if the Lakers had beaten Boston earlier in this decade, this that still would have been just a a game that would have had so much pressure on the Lakers. Um, and especially how the Celtics kind of kept finding a way to win series and, and claw their way to the next, uh, next round. So fortunately it didn't happen, but that would have been a really interesting game seven 
thankfully I wouldn't have been alive for it because I can't imagine how, I mean, I was there for 2010 and I, that was stressful enough. So, um, nerd corner, there's a lot I wrote down here and a lot of it has to do with that three point shooting. I'm, I'll start <laughs> off though. One of the most interesting things, AC green started, uh, 70, I mean, 72 games for this team. AC Green also started 78 games for the 1999-2000 Lakers team. Uh, yeah, they, I know, brought them, they brought them back on like a one-year Vets minimum, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, or the 99-2000 team, yeah. He's, excuse me, he started all 82 games. Um, he, this was his second year in the league, 23 years old. And he played all the way until 2001 with Miami. He played all 82 games as a 37-year-old. He only started one game. Um, I just thought it was wild that you had a guy that played for both the – or started for both the Magic Johnson Showtime Lakers and the Shaq Kobe 3 Lakers. Um, Seems good. Now, yeah. Well, it, it was also interesting, too. You can connect Mitch Kupchak, the player, with LeBron James in four steps, or three steps, excuse me, because Mitch and A.C. Green played. The year prior was Mitch Kupchak's last year, A.C. Green's rookie year. A.C. Green then played with Eddie House in Dallas his final year, and then Eddie House played on those Miami Heat, um, the Heatles teams that had Wade, LeBron, and Bosh. So... Um, it was amazing to see how many games, how long AC Green played. The three-point shooting now, as you said, Dallas led the league in three-point attempts per game at eight. 8.0 per game. Boston was fourth at 6.9, and the Lakers were fifth at 5.5. Now, here's a little bit of trivia for you. There were no three-pointers made in this game. Uh, the two teams were 0 of 10. I believe both teams went 0 of 5. So I'll start off first. This was the last time that neither team made a three-pointer in an NBA game or an NBA Finals game. Um, do you know the last team? Last time a team uh, did not make a three-pointer in an NBA Finals game. Win or lose? Uh, shoot. Well, I know the Rockets did really bad, but <laughs> I know they made a few three-pointers. Um, the NBA final, yeah, an NBA finals game where oh, finals, yeah, finals. yeah, where neither team or excuse me, where one team did not make a three-pointer. Ooh, that is a great question. God, that is such a foreign concept to me. I don't know <laughs> if it's just a sign of the times. Um. I don't get why it wasn't a bigger issue at the time, I guess, because of how bewildering, like, their postgame was. Because, I mean, that's the first thing I noticed when I watched this is just how talented of, of scorers they were in the post. But, um, yeah, God, I, I, I could not guess for the life of me. Um, it was mid-2000s, 05, Detroit against San Antonio. Detroit wow. lost 97-76. Uh, they did not make a three-pointer that game. 
The last time a team did not make a three-pointer and won was the Utah Jazz against Chicago in 1998. Um, Since this game, this Lakers-Celtics game, there's only been three times in finals history where a team did not hit a three-pointer and won the game. Two of them actually happened in the 88 finals the next season, once by Detroit, once by the Lakers, and then Chicago did it. Or I guess it's happened four times. Chicago did it in 91, Utah did it in 98. Um, but yeah, it, was, it wasn't something I necessarily immediately noticed watching the game, but looking at the box score... Yeah, they they only attempted 10 threes in a excuse me, 48 minute game. Um third quarter the Celtics finished the Celtics were outscored 30 to 12. I couldn't find the record now, but they show a graphic at the time. The lowest point total for a quarter in a finals game was 11. So the Celtics almost set the record for fewest points in a quarter in that third quarter. Um and then last thing, they show it at the end of the game. The I have I had no idea who he was. Billy Thompson, who was on the Lakers roster, became the fourth player ever to win back-to-back NCAA and NBA titles. He's still the last one to do it. Wow. <laughs> um, Magic did it, obviously. Bill Russell did it, um, another kind of obvious one. And then Henry Bibby, who played at UCLA um, – in the 70s, and then the 72-73 New York Knicks team. Those are the only four players to ever win back-to-back NCAA and NBA titles. Did Kareem not do it? He did not. Uh, his He won a title in Milwaukee, but it was not... I don't, I'm almost certain it was not his mm. rookie year. Um, I'm, I'm going to pull that up now to, to check. They... Oh, you're locked- talking... You're talking straight out of college. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, they're, okay. they're last year in college and then their first year in the NBA. Okay, that makes they sense. won titles in each. Yeah. Kareem did it in Milwaukee and he did. The list is a lot longer of simply guys who won both. I'm talking. Yeah. I was going to say. like, <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm simply talking. You win a NCAA title in April and then the next year in June you win yeah, an NBA. A, title. That's a good four years, man. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, Dion Waiters heat check award. I only had one guy down. I think it has to be Michael Thompson for that third quarter. Um, he scored 16 points off the bench, 15 points off the bench. Um, honestly, the only other guy that you could, I think, maybe uh, give the award to was Dennis Johnson just because he he had 33 points for the Celtics and was about the only thing that worked for them offensively. Yeah. But – to me, just not even just the points, just the way he came in and changed the game. I would say this has to be Michael Thompson. That's probably true. Um, in terms of just like continually taking heat checks when they weren't hot at all, <laughs> I think I'd give it to Larry Bird uh, just because he was he was so bad. He was. And ter- I understand. You just have to keep going to him. Like, rewatching the 2010 NBA Finals the other day, the commentators were saying something about how bad Kobe was in the third quarter. Uh, but you knew that if you keep if you kept giving the ball to him, something was going to happen. Like, superstars, this happens to them all the time. They'll break out of it. Larry Bird did not. 
and and that is why he gets uh he gets my award because despite all evidence he just kept shooting that thing ended the ended the game with the second highest field goal attempts on the team behind Dennis Johnson um and shot six of 16 from the field not great for as much as uh Celtics fans and Bill Simmons like to remind everyone about Kobe going six of 24 in a game that they won in the finals this wasn't far off from yeah. what uh <laughs> what Kobe did because Bird hit some shots in garbage time with the Lakers up like 20 to make that shooting percentage look a little better. He was atrocious through the first three quarters. Just nothing going in. Um, open looks. Uh, just everything he put up was just not going in. Um, I respect that. I, w- I will actually give the heat check award to Larry Bird for just <laughs> having no conscience and just still throwing up shots that, despite being awful all night. Is that a the hallmark a hallmark of a superstar? It's no conscience. <laughs> yes, exactly. He very much had short term memory that on uh, on this night. Um, the Grady Little Award for biggest coaching f up. We normally don't have this in there, but uh, Casey Jones playing Bill Walton when Bill Walton could barely function. Uh, it was partially out of need because everybody in the Celtics front court. Got into foul trouble, but yeah. Bill Walton, this was it looked rough. He could barely even run um, getting up and down the court. And there's probably not a worse team to play when you literally cannot run than this version of the Lakers. Right. Um, and he was awful. Every time he was on the court, he was he was just not effective. Um, That's kind of like um, Andrew Bynum in that whole 2010 yes. NBA final series. It's like. The Celtics played so fast, especially with KG, and Andrew Bynum was just a shell of himself on the floor. But even like with Bynum, you could, like at the beginning of the games, he was usually fine um, for like a six minute stretch. Walton wasn't even, I mean, he didn't start, but he wasn't even really that during this game. And like I said earlier, he only played like, he hardly played at all in these playoffs. Um, he had so many injury issues. I know, I mean, it's been documented. This was his last year in the league. Like, he could barely, uh, he only played, he didn't start a single game in the regular season. He only played 10 games. Um, he played more in the playoffs. But from game seven of the Milwaukee season on, he only played one game against Detroit, and he played one minute. Um, he played in five of the six games against the Lakers, but he played a total um of 24 minutes and 10 of them came in this game um it was bad um it was rough watching him because he was really good in his prime but injuries just destroyed him unintentional comedy moment literally everything kevin McHale did um (laughs) every time there's a foul call or any any play around him he's yelling after the after the whistle or he's flailing around um i took a lot of joy in watching kareem just routinely post up and just shoot right over him um man i really did not like watching kevin McHale play basketball you took Uh, a you took my unintentional comedy moment kind of and that was just watching uh people try to defend kareem like i know they're technically professional basketball players but i mean they're 
there's a reason the I believe it was um, college basketball that banned dunking because of Kareem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a reason for that, and I honestly wouldn't have blamed them if they did it in the NBA, too, just because <laughs> he looked like a man amongst boys, even at the age of, uh, how, how old did you say he was, Jacob? 40. Yeah. 4-0. <laughs> there was, one of the first plays of the game was just him posting up, and he got so deep that he literally was under the basket when he got the ball and just turned and laid it up. Like, it was incredible – and I mean, Robert Parrish was decent, um, and and Kareem just was making everybody in that front court look awful. Like they were in foul trouble, like I said, the whole game. Anytime Mikhail was on him, it was just <laughs> there was no hope for the Celtics. Um, so yeah, that another great choice. Funniest in-game promo. There wasn't any promo, but I was amazed at the start of this game. It's kind of a sign of the times. They were giving multiple updates on the Westchester Classic, a golf tournament, just a random <laughs> golf tournament. There wasn't really anybody of no uh, playing in it. I did not look up anything. They did not. There wasn't like an Arnold Palmer or a Jack Nicholas mentioned. Um, they were just giving updates uh, on a golf tournament. I guess they presumably had to cut away from to show this game. Um <laughs> They did it once at the beginning of the game, and then they did it one more time in the first quarter, which is just, I mean, obviously in this era, um, there wasn't ways to find out scores or anything online or anything, but just amazing sign of the times that uh, they're routinely updating a uh, Westchester classic, not even like an important golf tournament <laughs> either. Um I just found that hilarious. Jacob, I'm so happy to be alive, like, during this era, because I can't tell you how many times I was frustrated that the score just went away. (laughs) Oh, my God, yes. If at any point during a game today, I walk away from a TV, and, like, sometimes when I'll come in the middle of a game, they just get back from commercial break, It'll take a like a split second for them to put up those CGs, and I get infuriated, and I mean <laughs> real mad that I cannot see the score. I watching this game, it like I understand technology's advanced, things were different at the time. I would have lost my mind mm-hmm. not seeing the score for like seconds at a time. That is nuts. Oh, it's not even seconds. It's like minutes at a time where there's no score, no like you don't even know what how much time's left. Like there's nothing. That's why like I try to give a fairly detailed re- or like recap on this and like even into the like 2000s the score wasn't always on the screen, but like then like I could look at play by play and kind of match things up. There's like no play by play, no time here. So, yeah, there's like huge chunks of the game where like there's just no score no clock um you're not exactly sure what the margin is like unless you're paying uh very close attention um it's amazing that that was ever like okay like people thought it was okay to just not show the score like literally the most important thing in a basketball game is the score and then the time and the idea that they wouldn't just always have those on the screen is wild. I want to know who the first person was like, 
came into a meeting and was like, what if we just kept the score on the screen the entire time? And, and like just to see out. what yeah, I was gonna say, just to see what the reaction uh Who from cares all about of his, the score? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like people can do the math in their head. Um <laughs> yes, that, that drove me nuts during this game, not having any idea. It was mainly the time, just not having any idea how much time's left in the game and like how important a certain play was because you don't know if there's two minutes left or twenty seconds left. Imagine J.R. Smith during this this time. <laughs> This is how J.R. Smith, in his mind, the games go. Like, the <laughs> score time uh, when he's playing when he's playing games. Uh, Apex Mountain. I have a couple of them down. I'll let you go first. Was this anybody or anything's Apex Mountain? Ooh, that is tough. Just because uh, so many damn players that in, in this game, not even just on the Lakers, um, have had such high peaks that you can make a, a cases for a lot of people. Um, in terms of showing up on a game that like people were just waiting for, um, like a the, even at the time one of the most stories sword rivalries in sports. Although you can argue how much of a rivalry it was just because of how smacked they got by the Celtics uh, early in in their rivalry. But uh, I'd say Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. 32 points and four blocks in a game six NBA finals uh, against the Celtics, like a high six game. Uh, like, a, as you mentioned, them having to go back to Boston to play that game for him to close out like that at 40 years old. Um, absolutely insane. I think James Worthy also had an incredible playoff performance. Um, looked like an absolute superstar when he was technically you know, the number three to Maddox Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Uh, I, I actually, it, it's crazy. When a, a few years back, I interviewed uh, James Worthy at the uh, Spectrum Studios, and it was when the Lakers were recruiting superstars to Los Angeles. And I, I asked James Worthy, and I was like, hey, man, so what's what's this idea that that superstars don't want to play in LA anymore. What what do you take of that? He's like, listen, man, if play if if players don't want to play with two all stars, because the the Lakers Magic Magic Johnson's whole campaign was those two max slots. It's like if people don't want to come here, take a pay cut even to play with two mega stars in Los Angeles, they just don't want to win. Like they don't they don't want to enjoy their NBA career. And I and with since since he said that to me, I was like, yeah, James Worthy knows about it best. He was like the third option on the Lakers team. Uh, but no, he was he was at their level. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a hot take or not, but James Worthy was it wasn't um, a one, two, three. It was definitely one A, one B, one C. Yeah, absolutely. This I would say. I mean, if we're talking singular games, like probably the next season when he had the triple double in the game seven uh where he got his kind of big game james moniker is probably his apex but uh, this was still just a tremendous james worthy game um magic johnson this is probably his apex he won the regular season mvp this season he was finals mvp um he had the game winner the previous or the couple games prior um 
<clears throat> he averaged for the series 26 points, 13 assists, 8 rebounds, shot 54% from the field. <laughs> um, just incredible numbers no matter what era you're playing in. So probably his apex. Um, I think this was probably just the apex in general of the Showtime Lakers. Yeah. Um, this was their third title, second title, second or third title. No, third title of the decade. Um, they would win the next season. Not quite a sweep because it, it wasn't over Boston. Um, so to beat Boston, to hold the advantage of the 80s, they won two of the three matchups. Probably Showtime's um, Apex Mountain. Kind of going hand-in-hand hand at that. That's This is probably the apex of the Lakers-Celtics rivalry. Um, because after this, they didn't meet in the finals again until... 20 or 2008 excuse me um i have no recollection of that finals <laughs> yeah uh that's at least what wikipedia told me i don't remember that remember <laughs> that series at all um so this is probably the apex even as fun as those um meetings were 08 to 2010 they didn't really come close to the 80s um so probably apex mountain for that also, Apex Mountain for sports goggles. They were oh, all yeah. over the they were all over the place in this game. Uh, James Worthy and Kareem both had them. There was there were so many people in them. I don't know why more people don't wear them. Like I, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar recently donated like tons of safety goggles to UCLA Health. So shout out to him for doing that. It's very cool. Um, but I looked up the story behind the reason he wears goggles and it's pretty obvious he was a super tall dude got poked in the aisle of the time uh as somebody with only one good eye i can't imagine not playing basketball with goggles like that is insane to me i i like is getting poked in the eye less of a problem in today's nba <laughs> or are people just so scared not to look cool i think I mean, when I was younger, I had them, but they were like prescription sports goggles. So I I think some of them probably were that. And now contacts are just easier than sports goggles. But, I mean, it is interesting. I know, like, Rip Hamilton wore that face mask forever, almost out of a ritual. He had broken his nose, and then he just kept it on for the rest of his career. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's interesting. But, yeah, I just... Kurt Rambis is on the bench in sports goggles. Like they were all over the place in this series for, for some reason. And they faded away fast after this because bring they, uh, yeah, <laughs> bring back the sports goggles. Uh, so last thing, who won the game? I'll let you go first. Cause I honestly have two options here. Uh, I think you kind of have to go Kareem here mm-hmm. just cause again, a dominant player on both ends of the floor. Uh, but I'm guessing you were also going to make the case for Magic Johnson because 16 and 19 is just an absolutely disgusting stat line. That's not who I was going to make. I was going to say worthy, which probably makes your point that they were all three pretty much equal. Yeah. <laughs> um, that third quarter, worthy is all over the place. Um, I mean, really, this was the first half. Kareem really dominated. Second half, worthy really played well. And magic was just magic throughout the whole game. Um, I should have looked up the record for assists in a finals. I'm 
sure it's just magic all over the place. Um, but yeah, a whole hum, 19 assists. We haven't, we don't even think we'd mentioned it. Um, probably says a lot about just magic in general that he could have a 16 point 19 assist night. And we just are talking about how good Kareem and worthy were in this game. Um, because yeah, like I said, this was probably magic's apex as a player, maybe not this singular game, but this series and this season, um, Oh was probably God. the it's, best. It's, 19 assists isn't even. So it is magic. <laughs> you can yeah, get. not shocking. But 19 assists isn't it. He had he had 21 in um, 1984. Which yeah, that he was incredible. Like it's it's been so much fun. I I uh I was telling Christian before we went live. I've basically made it a habit this week. Pretty much when I get up in the mornings, I'll work out and watch a some kind of old school game. And I've watched a couple now um, Lakers games with Magic. And I don't want to keep saying these guys are underrated. It's probably just that we're in a different time period and nobody watches them at much. But Magic, like there's nobody that passed the ball like him. Like just watching him during a game, not even like you watch the assists he have, but like there's multiple times where he'll make just an absolutely incredible pass that doesn't end up in an assist. And it's like, how does he, it's just amazing how he even sees some of these passes. Um, I, I mean, I didn't write magic. He probably should be on who won this game. I mean, honestly, I would say it has to be Kareem. Um, man, 40 years old. We've said it a million times. 40 years old, putting up 32 points and six rebounds against Hall of Famers. I, uh, Mikhail's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. I don't think Robert Parrish is. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a bit harsh to say Hall of Famer Bill Walton, considering what he was um, at that point in his career. But this was a really good team that a 40-year-old Kareem scores 30, almost gets a double-double on him. Um, so yeah, I would say Kareem has to win this game. Just all three of them probably, um, are fair shouts. Any of those three, this, this was a really fun game to watch. Um, I kind of want to do more games from this era just because this team was so much fun to watch. And it's a, it's a team I haven't watched a ton of, like we've said, I've watched a lot of Kobe's. I mean, I, we were alive during Kobe's career, so those Kobe Shaq teams and whatnot, we've seen a lot of those games. I haven't seen nearly as many of these games, and especially this offense is so much fun to watch. There's a lot of games from this era. I mean, relatively speaking, a lot of games on uh, NBA Hardwood Classics. Um, although that is a very limited library that they have released uh there are we found this game on youtube um if you just search there's a lot of games on youtube as i have found during this last couple weeks there's a lot of just random games you can find on youtube not even just of of this uh series or this era there's a lot of kobe games on youtube i've watched um but yeah i've watched a i've started to watch a lot of these showtime era lakers games and this was a fun team to watch. This was a this was a fun game, especially anytime you can watch the Lakers beat the Celtics. It's a fun time. Uh, I think that'll do it for us this week. As always, if you guys can, 
Leave a rating, review, subscribe if you haven't already. Leave a suggestion if there's any games you want to see us do. Um, leave a review and suggest a game for us. We're open to ideas. It's uh, Like we said, there's a lot of games on YouTube we can try to find. So if there's any games you guys want to see us uh, do, uh, let us know and we will get to them. But uh, for Christian, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great day, everybody.